it's an eagle. Jet. It's, it's the goddamn God Jets. Well, Kurt, the league's changed a lot since the uh, last time we spoke. Patrick Mahomes is injured. Uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey found a new team as well as Marcus Peters. But one thing is consistent. The Jets are still a laughingstock. Did you watch the game yesterday? Uh, I did not watch the game. I checked the score. It was 24 nothing, and I said, I'm just going to go to sleep. Well, let me tell you, it's a good thing you missed it because it was the single worst quarterback performance I've ever seen. Any level, college, NFL, that's pretty much all I've watched. But I've never seen a quarterback look so clueless out there than Sam Darnold. And keep in mind, we watched Nick, I mean, uh, Luke Falk play for three weeks this year. And this was the single worst quarterback performance I've seen. I just don't. I just don't know what to do with the Jets anymore. Like they looked, they looked utterly unprepared, and they had an extra day too. It was a Monday night game. It's like when if a teacher, if a teacher gives you an extra day to do to finish an exam and you still don't study for it. Yeah. In all three phases, they were outplayed. And Sam Darnold saying he saw ghosts out there. They weren't. People are giving him the excuse of saying it was because of the Patriots scheme. They played a cover zero. A cover zero, and they switched up the blitzer. They brought four on every play. It wasn't that hard to see from sitting on the couch. When you play cover zero, you don't go over the top. You go for something short, and then you make a guy miss because there's no safety help. You have to get the ball out before the blitz gets there. I don't know what Adam Gase was was game planning because – I don't. I'm speechless. I I didn't watch the game, Dave. But when it was cover zero and they were bringing, what is it? They bring six. They have five to block. Um, no, what basically what what you do with cover zero is you have everyone bunch up on the line of scrimmage, and then you bring everyone looks like they're blitzing. You end up bringing four or five, but the offense has to pretty much choose who's coming. The out on the outside, the cornerbacks and the safeties are playing man on whoever's on whoever's on the outside, and then whoever doesn't come in from the blitz from the linebacking or the D line, they're picking up the crossers in coverage. Okay. So what you do to beat it is you spread out the offense and you do quick little uh, wide receiver pick plays and stuff like that, or uh, or um, what's it called a slip screen where you just have where you have the offensive line just bail and block for whoever's catching the screen on the outside. But the Jets did none of that. It was the most vanilla offense we've seen. Sam Darn, he threw the ball for two of his picks. He threw the ball right to the Patriots defender. And it wasn't even like the defender was in, in a tight coverage. He just threw it right into the guy's hands. It was He missed Robbie Anderson on two balls. And Robbie Anderson shouldn't be on the field either. I'm convinced that this guy's the worst wide receiver in football. No one ever taught him how to react to a football in the air. It's like he'll get open, but if only if you have him run in a straight line, and then he it, he has trouble picking up the ball. I think when he's when it's thrown to him and he's wide open because he slows down, he ends up going off off his pattern, and it just looks ugly. Okay, Dave, I got a question for you. Do you think it was more of Sam Darnold's fault or Adam Gase's fault yesterday? 
Well, you have to put the blame on both of them because Gase was brought here to have Sam Darnold look better. And honestly, in the three games, he's, he looked good against Dallas. But against the Bills and now against the Patriots, he's looked like a deer in the headlights. And I'm having major concerns with the Jets fan that he's the guy going forward. So I put it on Adam Gase for not having the team prepared at all because the defense looked awful too. The cornerbacks looked made Phil Dorsett look like Jerry Rice on a couple plays. Well, we we knew you had problems at the corner position, though, to be fair. Yeah, but they're not – like, Tremaine Johnson's not even trying. Yeah. There, there's a difference between being outplayed. Like, the Jets are not as talented as the Patriots, but they shouldn't be being blown out 33 to nothing and letting them walk into the end zone four straight times. It's just bad, but that's uh, especially when the Patriots don't try very hard in the second half. No, well, Bill, this game that wasn't the case because Belichick, for some reason, Belichick kept on. He didn't call off the dogs like he kind of did against the Giants. He just he wanted to blow the Jets out. I think it's probably because they were talking a big game coming into the game, which just makes it more frustrating. Like Sam Darnold was saying that if Chris Herndon plays, which he did, the offense is unstoppable. And then he comes out and he's seeing go- he's throwing the ball to ghosts. And by the way, who is the genius, the genius in the Jets in the Jets uh, management that let a a quarterback who's played 15 games in his career be mic'd up on national TV on Monday night against the best team? This looks like this looks like it. Be- it might be a better defense than the uh, famous Bears defense from back in the day. Why would you have a guy mic'd up? That's just setting him up. To, to be a laughing stock. I don't know. I can go on for hours about the things that are wrong with this team. It's okay, Dave. Coming from an Eagles fan who watched them get blown out on Sunday by the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles yeah, are that was, better I, than I the Jets. What not. were you saying? The Eagles aren't much better than the Jets. At least, but at least they could move the football a little bit. They may... It's definitely frustrating to watch both teams. I'll give you. I'll give you that one. The only person on the Eagles who looks like he's playing decent is Carson Wentz. Everyone else there, the Eagles team is slow. They're old, and their defensive coordinator refuses to play any more than two coverages. He either plays. A deep zone where he just lets them throw underneath the entire game, really soft coverage, or he brings the house and plays and and plays man across the board and his corners aren't good enough to play man across the board and they get beat. It's a two Well also with the Eagles offense, where is Zach Ertz this season? He's the only player on their offense. They they just double him at all times. Yeah, but I feel it like with their, they have him and Goddard, so why don't and they have Alshon Jeffrey, who's another big target. Alshon why not just Jeffrey run seams on some of these smaller defenders? Alshon, that's Jeffrey. what I don't like. They're trying, they're trying to go on the outside with uh, Aguilar, and on, they're having a little bit of success underneath with Alshon Jeffrey. But you can't win a game if you're just throwing it underneath the entire time. I just don't get. They had so much success the last two years having, having a. Uh, Ertz run a post route and just having having Wentz throw it over the defense. I don't know where that is in their offense. Maybe there's not time for the play to develop, but they have to get back to that vertical play. One, the offensive line this year has really showed their age. 
that he's given once minimal time to draw back. Two, Alshon Jeffrey is injured, and I don't think he's ever coming back to what he was. He runs very slowly, and I think they're holding on to something that he was, and he isn't that anymore. He's below his standard. And three, because they have no one with speed on their team, they physically can't stretch the defense, which which means defenses are literally saying go over top of us. And the one chance we get to go over top, Aguilar drops drops the ball and it drops a touchdown. Yeah, he he's up there with Robbie Anderson for receivers I wouldn't want to throw to. And I think we talked about him the last time we spoke. Just a, a really bad uh, – his development's been awful since he was a first-round pick. <laughs> I agree. But also you can't – the Cowboys had a lot to play for, just like the Eagles, and they were going into into the bye week. I th- I think it's hard to judge the Eagles because I want to say that they'll go on a second half run, but it it is hard to say that when you look at their performance in some of these games. Uh, besides the uh, besides the Packers win that was very impressive, all the other ones like they beat the Redskins and then they beat the Giants. No, the, the Jets. So the Jets. With, on those the are their three wins. Quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see the Eagles going on a run, Dave. The only thing I can hope for is the Dallas' Cowboys schedule is really tough down the road, so I think they both could finish 9-7, 8-8. But other than that. And they probably end the season against each other, right? I think it's week 15 or week 16. Second last game, I think. I'm not positive. Yeah, that'll probably be a prime time one. Hopefully, as hopefully it has some meaning to it. Yeah, hopefully. So okay. we saw, we saw uh, Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters get traded. Did you see what happened today with Sanu? And I, I think Sanders is heading out west, right? Uh, I didn't see the Sanders, but I saw the Sanu pickup by the Patriots. That's a phenomenal pickup. That, uh, oh. That's like it reminds me of when they had uh, they had Lloyd for a year, and he I think he dropped a, a thousand yards with Brady, just running deep patterns. That's what Sanu is made for. I know. I think he is. Um, I think he's just a good all around pickup for the Patriots. You know, he's not he's not someone who wants the ball a thousand times. He's just a good solid receiver that anyone would want on their team as a number two. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big pickup for the Patriots who are struggling with wide receiver health and depth. And it really helps. I mean, if the receiving core is all healthy, you have four receivers that could viably play in Edelman, um, Josh Gordon, Sanu, and Dorsett. Not -hmm. including the rookie coming back off of um, Nikhil Harry, off of injured reserve. But he hasn't come back for another couple weeks, I believe. Yeah, I think you have to wait till week eight, or it's week eight right now, so maybe a week or two to activate them. But yeah, that would be a major boost to have him and Sanu come in together. When the Falcons were really good a couple of years ago, it was because Sanu was such a solid number two receiver behind Julio Jones. Like you really couldn't, you couldn't slack on his side to double Julio because Sanu just beat you. So if he could do that on the other side of Edelman with James White still there and uh, Sony Michelle picking up speed. That offense will 
probably it hasn't really clicked. For, like even last night, they scored on a lot of short fields, and uh, they converted one fourth and long that that ended up in a touchdown. But their offense still didn't wasn't clicking on all cylinders. So maybe this move will actually put them to where they want to be when the year comes to the end. My thing is, I think this helps them, but it doesn't solve their biggest problem, which is their offensive line play with an ill mobile quarterback and. They're off in the line being devastated the way it is. Sanu won't help them that much. Yeah, but see, the offensive line for them hasn't really even been that much of a liability because, because they have a coach who's competent, and he, when they have a weakness, he doesn't let the weakness become uh, insurmountable. Yeah, They no. make adjustments, and the offensive line just has to stay on their blocks for two, three seconds, let Brady get the ball out, and that's what they've done. You got to applaud Bill Belichick for that. He he never lets a Patriots weakness get exploited more than one one half, honestly, because he's the best in-game adjuster. And if you exploit something in the first half, he won't let you do it in the second half. I agree with that statement. And then the other move that you were saying is Emmanuel Sanders is going to the Niners. Maybe it was just a rumor, but I, I definitely – because I, I traded Emmanuel Sanders on fantasy, so – uh, someone texted me and said, oh, I'm glad I got Sanders because Jimmy G is going to be throwing him the ball now. And I don't really think that boosts his value just because they have so many options. But but still, they if he does end up going out there, that's a, that's a big weapon for uh, Kyle Shanahan to utilize. It is we know how much he likes speed. It is confirmed he has moved to the 49ers. And it was Sanders and a fifth-round pick was traded to the 49ers for a third and fourth-round pick. That's pretty. I think that's a pretty solid return. I mean, you you can't really ask for too much. He's coming off back-to-back seasons where he didn't finish the year out, and he's a 34-year-old wide receiver. But still, he's productive, and I think he'll he'll just add to the offensive explosiveness they have going out there in the Bay Area. I think it's a good pickup. I also think it's interesting that the two undefeated teams are the two teams that have made moves. Mm-hmm. They're obviously trying to push themselves to be the best. Yeah, and I, I think that one thing that these moves signalize is that A.J. Green's asking price is either too high or he's just not actually on the trade market. Well, because those were two of the spots to pick. Maybe Philadelphia would go out and look for a wide receiver. But other than that, those were the two options that were really tied to A.J. Green. Do you think he's going to move now? The Bengals coordinators and head coach have been avid that they don't want to trade A.J. Green, is what I heard. Um, so it would probably be like a Jalen Ramsey situation where where uh, they wouldn't do it unless they knock, the, they knock their so- socks off with an offer, like two first-round picks and a second-round pick. For Jalen Ramsey, the the Jaguars couldn't say no to that, no matter how much they wanted to keep the guy. So it would probably take somewhere around a first and a third round pick to get AJ Green off the Bengals, is what I'm thinking, right? I don't know if teams are willing to risk that, knowing how bad of a, what's it called, knowing how injury prone that man is. Yeah, I agree. And I'm actually, I don't want him to leave the Bengals. I want... I like that AJ Green said he he sees the value of staying with one organization 
And he said he wants to set the standard. He wants to be the guy when he retires to hold all the records. I think Chad Ochocinco owns them now. He wants to be the next guy to set the standard for what it means to be a Bengals receiver. And I have so much respect for that. I hope he gets a chance to finish his career there. And if he tanks enough that he gets to play with Tua, maybe. Well, Tua went into surgery for a high ankle ankle sprain. Does that affect uh, the tank for Tua status? You think they would possibly go with someone else over him if he's not 100% healthy? I don't think so. I think ankle ankle injuries aren't that severe comparatively. If it had something to do with the knee, I think it could affect it, but I don't think an ankle is that big of an injury. That's fair. But, I mean, if I have a question for you. Who do you think the second-best quarterback in college football is? The second-best right now? Not – and not Jalen Hurts because he can run the ball like a running back with Lincoln Riley as his coach. I'm I mean, numbers number wise, Jalen Hurts might might be have a case for number one this year. But as, in terms of NFL prospect, yes, who's coming out this year or who could potentially come out next year? Because then the Clemson just, kid is probably number year, one. Just this upcoming year, if the Bengals were to tank with the Dolphins and the Redskins, I've always been a big Jake Fromm fan out in Georgia, but I don't think that they would use a number one overall pick on him. Uh, Fields from Ohio State is very impressive to me, but... He can't come out next year. Yeah, he can't come out. Other than that... What do you think about Herbert in Oregon? I don't I don't like Oregon quarterbacks. Maybe because the taste of Marcus Mariota is still in everyone's mouth, but... I don't know. The the offensive scheme there is just so anyone could run it. I agree. And it's not a it's not like at least at Oklahoma they kind of run a pro ish style where it's not foreign when you come in. I don't know. I don't really like Herbert too much. I when everyone was tying the Giants to them, I, I really didn't see to see the hype. I am a I've only watched Herbert play once or twice, but both times I've seen him play, I've been pretty impressed with him. The guy has a cannon. Cannon of an arm. How accurate is he, though? Um, Not as accurate as you would like. That's what I would say his biggest problem is. He misses a good amount of throws. But I also don't... And do they run out of the... Uh, shotgun only. Shotgun only. See, I don't like that. I like a quarterback who who has at least shown he's coming he could play under center because playing under being in the shotgun's great but cut, when you're under center there's just so many more options the play action you could use it more you could use it more effectively uh you could run a bootleg it's when a quarterback's just taking the snap dropping back a step and throwing it just feels like the rhythm is off usually at least in the NFL I I agree with that but I think the problem with Herbert is he is a raw prospect. I think at Oregon, he doesn't call. I don't think he makes many audibles whatsoever at Oregon. I think it's one of those like Ohio State where the coach does everything for you. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's the case with a lot of college quarterbacks, which is why the combine and uh, individual workouts are so important. And you see, like, guys like Blake Bortles who have the raw build and work out well end up going top three in the draft, while a guy like Russell Wilson, who has the leadership qualities to be an MVP and win a Super Bowl, drops to the third round. 
I agree with that. Speaking of Russell Wilson, what do you think of the Seahawks? Uh, they dropped one to Baltimore. Baltimore. I, I don't think they're in trouble. It, it's going to be tough. Anytime you fall two games behind a team like the the 49ers who are just rolling this early in the season, it's going to be hard to come back. But I think the Seahawks are looking at a pretty safe wild card spot. I can agree with that statement. I think the problem with the Seahawks in my eyes is they their upside is not that high. I feel like Russell Wilson has been playing almost flawless football and they've been barely been able to squeak out a few games and Russell Wilson has played absolutely fantastic. And I don't know if he could play better. Well, their defense their defense hasn't been as opportune as it usually is. They're they're lacking turnovers. I think they might. I think their differential's negative this year, and that's with Russell Wilson only throwing one interception well, coming last week against Baltimore. But uh, they're not turning the ball over, and they also only have one score defensively. So I think their defense needs to pick it up, pick it up, and get better a little bit. Like a lot of when the when the Seahawks were the Legion of Doom and they were deadly, they were playing that defense and it was a brand new defensive concept and no one knew how to score against it. Now they're still playing it, and teams know how to know how to go up against it. So their lack of talent isn't hidden by by the new scheme confusing offensive coordinators. I agree so that, with that. And they're they need to get, get they need to get a little bit more explosive, a little bit more talented on defense. Uh, getting Jadavion Clowney helps with the pass rush. Maybe they should look to add someone else around uh, the trade deadline. I guess it's coming up on Tuesday, so they should probably get going on that. There's still some players out there that need a new home. I I agree with that, David. Okay, Dave, it's time for us to go into our picks for this week. We weren't able to make them last week. It was because of my scheduling issues. It's our, it was our bye week. We up. had a week seven bye. Yeah. We got rested up, and now we're ready to roll the rest of the season. Okay. We're going to do six picks for you guys today. And we're going to start out with our favorite picks, our picks that the teams are the favorites for and who we believe is definitely going to win this week. Okay, Dave. All right. I'll start off. Generally, I would I would advise everyone to stay away from Thursday night games just because it's a short week. You don't know you don't know how the team prepared. You don't know if they, they even practice sometimes because it's only a two day week if you play it on Sunday. But the Vikings over the Redskins at home is a no brainer for me. Uh Kurt Cousins has been rolling. They might not have Adam Thielen. They probably won't. He's he's doubtful with a hamstring injury. On a Thursday night, they'll probably play cautiously. But they still have enough firepower with uh Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook. Madison, Madison's not a terrible backup if he needs to spell cook some carries. And the defense has been has been solid. I think Xavier Rhodes will have a, a good week shutting down uh, touchdown Terry. And the Redskins are going to struggle to move the ball in Minnesota. I think this has the potential to be like a 30-13 to 13 type of game. Dave, I think everything you just said was correct, and the Vikings were also my number one favorite for the week. Kirk Cousins plays well against bad teams and mediocre teams, and he carves up their defense. The Redskins are a bad team. He's going to throw for a lot of yards. Everyone's going to be happy. They're on a roll. They're at home. It's a short week. 
And I think they're just going to live it up this week. And I think they're going to have a really fun time. Off of the and I got to throw out an apology to the Vikings. I've been kind of disrespecting them, saying that they were going to lose to like the Giants on the road, the Lions on the road. But they've proven me wrong the last two road games. They've come out and they've t- taken care of business. Maybe it's not just a, oh, they win their home games, they lose their road games type of teams. Maybe they're actually for real. And maybe they can go back to the 12, 13 win successful team that they were a couple of years ago. Kirk Cousins has been on a roll the last couple of weeks. I don't know if I'd say that, Dave, because they still have to play Chicago and the Packers again. So I don't know if that's a 12-13 win team, but I would definitely say they are my favorite for the wild card right now with probably Seattle. But they've taken care of business against some tough teams like the Eagles. We we talked about their weak points, but they were just coming off a couple, a couple big wins in a row. Uh, they beat the Lions, who started off the season hot, and if it wasn't for the terrible referees – they would have had a win against Green Bay, which that has to be a topic we talk about in one of these podcasts. The ref, the refereeing this year is just it's the it's the worst all time. And this rule that you could they only put the rule for pass interferences into play. They have no intention of overturning any regular season uh, pass interference call. So coaches just stop challenging it. They only put it in. So if something like the Saints and Rams thing happens again. They could overturn that. They have no intention of using this rule how it's in the rule book. They just want it for big moments. And I hate this rule. The referees are awful. Lions should have beat the Packers. What's your next pick, Kurt? My next pick is we were just talking about them. The Packers beating Kansas City on Sunday night. With Matt Moore at starting quarterback. This was going to be my favorite game of the week. Mahomes is injured. It's no longer my favorite game of the week. I think the Packers are going. I thought it was going to be a shootout, but now I just think the Packers are going to beat the crap out of them, out of Dave, out of them, Dave. Um, they're going to really miss Mahomes' escapability against this Packers defense with those two edge rushers, the Smith brothers, and they're going to come right at Matt Moore, and Matt Moore is not as – Agile as Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs' offense is going to have a hard day. Combined with the Packers' offense, it just seems to start the roll last week. And Aaron Rodgers playing well. Marquez Valdez Scandings playing well. Um, Devontae Adams is supposed to come back. Jamal Adams is running the ball well. Their whole team looks like they're clicking right now, and I think them going into Kansas City on a Sunday night with Kansas City having a backup quarterback, I think it's going to be really good good for the Packers yeah sometimes things just click for you during the season like you play teams at the right time and I think we've seen that a lot with the Packers this year they're getting lucky with this game they're six and one for a reason because they're a good team but luck also has something to do with you being a a great team and that's what they got lucky with this game I think Matt Moore is a little bit more I think Matt Moore can run this offense confidently so I don't think it will be a blowout in Kansas City but the Packers will definitely win this game. Let's put it this way, Dave. If, if if Mahomes was playing, I still would have chose the Packers in this game. With Matt Moore playing, I think it's I think that's at least two two less scores off the board for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's inter- that's definitely a b- debate that could be had. 
I think Aaron Jones will probably have a big game or Jamal Williams. They've kind of used them as a running back by committee, like hot hand kind of thing the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think either one of them could have a big game in this one. But yeah, I think Green Bay is pretty safe for the win in, in this game without Mahomes in there. And I have to say, Green Bay's offensive line has played much better since they've played the Bears and the Vikings. After those two games, their offensive line has turned it up another notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now all the questions between Rodgers and LaFleur are quieted because they put up six touchdowns. No one's going to talk about it now. And if they roll through Kansas City, everything's going to be good up in Green Bay. I agree. All right, so for my second favorite, this week i'm not sure what the betting line is for this one because it is a road team in a traditionally tough uh and a tough in a traditionally tough game for road teams to win but the seahawks have to be have to be taken over the falcons this week i don't think matt ryan's gonna play there's no reason for him to be out there this year they're wait even though he has had a very productive year quietly on a losing team uh there's no reason for him to be out there getting hurt on a, on a bum ankle. The team's bad. The Seahawks are coming off a loss. I think Russell Wilson will throw for 350, a couple scores. Chris Carson will run on the ground against a bad uh, Falcons front seven. I don't think – even if Matt Ryan plays and Matt Schaub's on the bench, I don't think the Falcons stand much of a chance here. And they just traded off one of their receivers. I think the Seahawks have a pretty easy win on the road this week i think the i think dan quinn has lost the falcons locker room and i don't think his players are trying as hard for him as they would for someone else and i think that fact in itself means that the um yeah i'm surprised that he still has a job honestly after last week because that was that was a beat down that was bad that was a bad game yeah that's when that's when i would have probably pulled the trigger and used uh uh, use an interim head coach the rest of the way, but I think I think that the <laughs> I think that the owner out there fully intends to let him play out the season and just let him walk, find a new guy at My, the end of the season. I understand both ideals of thought of letting him stay and play out the season or an interim. The thing is, if you set up an interim head coach, I feel like you want to set it up with someone that you feel confident could possibly take the job. And there's no one out there in Atlanta that could take the job. I agree. I think their I think their head coach and both their coordinators need to go. That team is way too talented to be that bad of a team. They're probably like they're probably like mid tier in talent on their roster, maybe even better. Probably around twelve or thirteen. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, definitely. Like if you look just their skill position players, they have Matt Ryan a former MVP who's still putting up big numbers. Uh, Devontae Freeman's been been very uh, very disappointing since he came back from that ACL tear that he had a couple of years ago. But that might be because of offensive line play too. Uh, they have Ridley, Julio, Austin Hooper's quietly like a top three tight end in the league this year. They have Jake Matthews at left tackle. So they have pieces on offense – they, oh, Keanu Neal's always injured, and they don't really have many pieces in the secondary. But on offense, they still have a lot of talent. It might be a quick fix if they just change the culture out there. I agree, but I think the biggest thing you need out there is a culture change. 
And Seattle believes in Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, and they they should believe in them because they're very. It's a very good coach and quarterback combination. When you mm-hmm. have the coach figured out and the quarterback figured out, your team generally does well. Well, also don't forget last last year when the Seahawks started out zero and three. I think they were one and four too. They were calling for Pete Carroll's job out there, so they turned it around pretty quickly. And now he's safe. So I guess if they let Dan Quinn play out the season and they do turn it around, I'm not saying that they will. Uh, but maybe maybe this time next year we're talking about the Falcons the way we're talking about the Seahawks right now. Well, the big thing, I feel like they were calling for Pete Carroll's job. I never did. I always thought he was a good coach. But maybe. I think it was more the media because I think he's had, he's had some uh, questionable run-ins with them. But – I definitely saw that Pete Carroll's name with a question mark. And they didn't like that he doesn't empower loud players. He got rid of Earl Thomas. He got rid of Richard Sherman. He got rid of the Legion of Boom. He got rid of Marshawn Lynch. He got rid of a lot of people that were loud and Michael Bennett, who were just instigators. And he's like, I don't want this anymore. He did a purge and people were upset about it because I think the purge basically what it showed is it showed that it's not worth it to have someone that is a distraction in the locker room, no matter how good they are. Mm-hmm. And I, think I, gonna... I agree. I agree with that. Look at Odell Beckham Jr. What does he want? He was a distraction in New York. He's been good in Cleveland, but there's a, there's a reason why the big loud wide receivers and big loud running backs never don't have any Super Bowl rings in the last like 20 years. There was, there were huge articles on that. How paying a paying a loud skill position player or a loud secondary player it just hurts your chances of winning a Super Bowl. Which is why I think the Patriots did the smartest decision ever. They paid Stephon Gilmore was it two or three years ago, and they made him one of the top five paid cornerbacks in the league. <laughs> and everyone was sitting there like, "Why are you making this scrub top five paid cornerback in the league?" Now, now he's, he's now he's arguably number the best cornerback in all of football, and he's underpaid. So you know, Belichick can spot talent. I think you need people who are better at spotting talent. The only thing the Patriots can't spot talent at is their wide receiver position. I think they could, but a lot of the talented receivers again have the attitude problem, which they just don't deal with. I mean, look at Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett's not playing right now because he's suspended for something that he said to Bill Belichick. He's like, I'm not getting enough sacks or something. <laughs> and then yeah, what that doesn't, that doesn't fly up in Foxborough. But he, he really mattered to their team on Monday night against the Jets, right? It, what? It was a big issue for the Patriots that he wasn't there on Monday night against the Jets, right? Oh yeah, it was it was a tremendous advantage for the Jets not to have Michael Bennett line up on the other side against them. Yeah. <sighs> Don't all right, let's go to the next pick before I go on another Jets rant. Uh a closer game. <coughs> the Eagles are going up to Buffalo for a Sunday more a Sunday game, one PM. Uh it's a two a two or three point. Buffalo favorite right now, which basically means it's a pick because Buffalo's at home. Buffalo's going to take this game pretty easily. They stop the run. Uh, the Eagles are going to have a tough time moving the football. 
it'll probably be low scoring because the Bills offense likes to take the first half off. And the Eagles might even have like a a 13 to 6 lead or something like that, kind of like the Dolphins had. And then Josh Allen and the crew will wake up. They'll start moving the football. They'll do their ground and pound stuff. They'll hit one over the top on the Eagles cornerbacks and they'll end up winning the game pretty handily. 23 to 16. Sadly, Dave, I also picked the Bills this week. I picked the Bills beating the Eagles. They one thing the Eagles struggle with is fast wide receivers, and I think John Brown's gonna have a big game. I think the Eagles offense is too slow for the Bills defense. The Bills defense is really fast. They play fast and they're gonna make a lot of plays. I think the Bills defense is gonna shut down the Eagles offense and it's gonna force Carson Wentz to try and make plays that just aren't there and he's gonna throw interceptions. And I think the Bills will win again pretty handily like twenty four to fourteen. What do you think of uh Michael Sanders so far? Because I I like him as like a Darren Sproles third down back, but they wanted him to be the feature guy and I don't see it from him. Dave, he's blind. He can't hit a hole for crap. Were you watching? Yeah, the- that's that's why I like him in the passing game. But also, he's a he puts his body into it when he blocks, and I like that out of him. On third down, you want to protect your quarterback with your running back. He was throwing his body at I forgot who was coming on. It might have been Demarcus Lawrence on his side, but he just kept on throwing his body at him, even when Wentz would move out. A lot of running running backs go out for the pass when a quarterback rolls out. But uh, Sanders actually went back for a second blocking attempt on it, which I love to see. I like the kid as a third down back, but I don't see the feature back in him. Yeah, I think that he is... He is so talented, Dave, and he has the right mindset. He is so talented and he has the right mindset, Dave. But he he does he doesn't run well. He doesn't hit the hole well. He doesn't see holes. He doesn't follow his blockers. This basic stuff that running backs can do at an early level, he doesn't do. He tries to bounce everything. I think he is a good third down back. I think he'd be like Reggie Bush. But is Reggie Bush worth a second round pick in today's NFL? a third down back worth a second round pick in today's NFL? I don't think so. I think you can find much better talent at that pick, and I think it was a bad pick for the Eagles. Yeah, you could find, if you're just trying to get a scat back, you can get him in you can get an undrafted back who's fast. Like that uh the number thirty five Scott. I loved watching they just kept on handing it to him on the last drive. It was fun. it was actually fun to watch a small fast guy just do his thing. For who? For the Eagles, they have – I forgot his first name, but he's number 35. He's like – he's only playing now because Sproles is out. But he's like a short little five six five seven running back who looks like a – he looks like C.J. Anderson running out there, just a little bit faster and smaller. Yeah. But it's fun. it was fun to watch a little scat back like that. That's, that's what Miles Sanders has to be. All I'm saying, Dave, is I got a good night's sleep on Sunday and Monday because I went to bed at halftime for both games. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the that's the good part of having your team get blown out. You don't really want to watch the second half. 
Okay. So who's your second? You said you had the Bills beating the Eagles. Who's your second closer game to pick? My closer game, which I don't know how. What is it? Am I crazy? Oh, I don't know how close this game is going to be. But I have the Chicago Bears beating the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't know the spread on the game. Is that considered a close game? I would say it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if the lines are out yet. It's so early in the week. But uh, tell me why the you think the Bears are favorites over the Chargers? There's the Chargers' offensive line has been abysmal, one of the worst in football this year. And the Bears' defensive line is still really, really good. Phil Rivers is not a mobile quarterback. So all he does whenever he gets pressure is check the ball down to his running backs, in which the Bears have some of the most athletic linebackers in Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, and some of the best linebackers are covering the running back out of the backfield. And I think the Chargers' offense is going to be miserable. I think it's going to be close because the Bears' offense is also not very good. But one thing I'll say that Trubisky does do is he doesn't necessarily lose them the game. He doesn't create turnovers. He just normally does enough to win, almost like Josh Allen in Buffalo, where I think their defense is good enough. I think Josh Allen is better than Trubisky, but I think their defense is going to hold the Chargers so so little points that the Bears will be able to win this game. Yeah, I agree with you. The Chargers, they're kind of they they're similar to the Falcons, where their offense just isn't clicking right now. Even though they have so much talent, they infused Melvin Gordon in there. It hasn't really helped. He he hasn't been getting the touches, but I don't think it'll matter either way against the Bears. Their defense is still very good, and like you said, Mitch Trubisky just doesn't have to lose them the game. And I think they'll be fine at home. Great. So, Dave, is it my turn to go? No, we need your second close game. Yeah, I'm good. For me, the four o'clock game that I'm going to watch this week, there's actually the other games aren't really that good. But uh, the one that I'm going to be watching this week is the Panthers at San Francisco. I wouldn't have circled this game in a million years coming into the season as one that I'd get excited for. But these two defenses are the real deal. There's a backup. Well, I guess now he's the starter because they're keeping Cam on the bench. Uh, uh, First-year starting quarterback in Kyle Allen and uh, a quarterback who's proving us wrong before our eyes with how how much he's winning. Or he's showing that he's a winner before our eyes by going out there and being 6-0 this season and Jimmy Garoppolo. This game's going to be a fun one to watch for me because I like the tough defensive games where where the teams are moving the ball, but the defense is also making plays. I think that's what this is going to be, uh, like a 16-13 type of game, but a well-played game. Not many penalties, a good defensive play. You won't see defensive players bailing on their assignments and just tying up receivers, getting flags thrown. I think the 49ers will pull it out, but it'll be a very close and entertaining game. And maybe maybe the ball's in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's hands and he leads them on a game-winning drive or something like that. Game-winning touchdown Sanders. pass to Emmanuel Sanders. 14-yard fade route to the corner or something like that. That would be the ideal scenario for me. 
Dave, I like the 49ers pick in this game. I don't know if it's going to be as close as you think it's going to be. I think I think the 49ers, The Panthers aren't a joke, bro. The Panthers And I, I usually hate on the Panthers a lot, but their their team is no joke. They're solid pretty much everywhere. They don't have a weak point. You don't think a first-year quarterback is going to struggle against that secondary? But this first-year quarterback has looked like Joe Montana every single week that he's played. He has. But the the 49ers' pass rush and secondary is the best in the NFL. That's true. It Uh, it really comes down – if they they take – uh, what's his Christian McCaffrey out of the game that I could see it being a blowout, but no one's really had the only the only person who's had success taking McCaffrey out of the game this year has been Cam Newton, and he's not playing. So <laughs> I I think that the it'll be a time of possession kind of game. I understand that. I think it will be a low scoring game, and I think you called it right. I think the Forty ers have a little more juice on offense, and we'll get the win. Mm-hmm. All right, now the fun part. This is where you've made your money and I've lost a lot of money this year. Who's your underdog team? One of two. My first underdog team, I love picking them as underdogs, is the, is the what is it, Las Vegas Raiders. What is it? Okay. I was going to go the same way. The Raiders. Going to Houston. You have Deshaun Jackson and that offensive line that is not the best. Their defense has – Raiders' defense last week looked atrocious against Green Bay. Absolutely awful. But their offense looked pretty good. No. If Derek Carr doesn't fumble that football out of bounds, the score is 35-31 going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, their offense, they look good, and I think they're getting Tyrell Williams back this week, finally. So adding him in the mix with Josh Jacobs, who's ended up who's ended up looking like a top-10 running back already this season, and Darren Waller, who's one of the best tight ends this season, that offense just get a little bit more explosive. One thing I got to say I love about Jacobs is when he gets – when he flares out of the backfield – he doesn't run to the sideline. He, like, looks for the ball. He's like, I want it here. Give me space, and I'm going to get five yards. Have you seen him get, like, a little dump out of the backfield? Oh, yeah. No, I love watching Jacobs because you could tell he's not scared of contact. He wants he wants the contact, and he runs into it. I also like about him when, he, when he's going down, he falls forward with the ball. He doesn't, let the def- he doesn't give up and let the defender – hold him where he is at the spot he'll pull he'll go down when the defender tackles him but he'll pull the defender forward for an extra half yard or yard and in a game of inches that means everything and I think one thing that's going to be huge is I think John Gruden is really accountable on players and coaches and I think their defensive coordinator after that abysmal performance last week will call a better game because John Gruden will make sure that he's been putting in the work against this Houston Texans offense and I don't think the Houston's Texans offense is that complex. I think it is mostly Deshaun Watson being great, and that's why their offense is good. I don't think they have complex schemes. They have talent at wide receiver, but their running backs aren't very good, and their offensive line isn't very good. The team is carried by Deshaun Watson. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm picking the Raiders because I, I don't think that the Texans defense is as good as it's been in previous years. Probably because they got they dumped off to Javion Clowney and they don't have the names in the secondary like they did the last couple of years. But one thing that scares me picking the Raiders is I don't know if they'll get the pass rush on Watson. That's one. That's one thing that Gruden hasn't really addressed of the weaknesses. The pass rush isn't isn't nearly where you want it to be at this point of the season. I agree with that, but at the same time, I feel. I understand that. It's definitely going to be a close game, but I think the Raiders' offense will be able to control the clock, which will really help. What's the best way to stop a good offense, Dave? Control the clock and keep the defense on the field. Exactly. And I think that's what the Raiders do. I think they do it really well. Um, I'm coming in with my last underdog pick here, Dave. I don't, know, I don't know why I'm picking this team. It goes against what I've been about this whole year. I am taking the Cardinals in New Orleans this week. I was tempted to do it, too. They've won three in a row. Uh, the offense is rolling. The kid, Chase Edmonds, the backup running back, he's yeah. explosive. He reminds me of David Johnson when David Johnson was where Chase Edmonds was on the roster, like the second, third string back who would come in, get the ball like five times, but score a touchdown with it somehow. That That's what Chase Edmonds reminds me of. I think him and him and uh, Murray have tremendous chemistry. I, I like the pick, but tell me what you think. Well, one, I think David Johnson is elite. I don't know if he's playing this week. The Cardinals are playing well. Their defense is playing better. They're coming up a little bit. They're not great, but they're playing better. And I think the team's rallying. I think they're just moving up, and I think that the Cardinals have this energy about them. And they're, like, just on the brink of exploding, and they might be able to explode. And Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is, a, is a very good young quarterback, and he's really coming into his own. Um, I think he's going to go to New Orleans. And I think New Orleans is going to be a little bit flat, saying they're playing another team that isn't that good. And they're kind of like, we've been great for a while now. Maybe they're lackadaisical. And hopefully they just fold and Kyler Murray makes one or two plays with his legs that win them the game. And Teddy Bridgewater maybe doesn't have his normal game. And especially saying the Saints, number two and number three wide receivers are injured right now. Or number two wide receiver is injured right now. Ted Ginn's back, so he's number three. But And they're starting running back. And they're starting running backs injured, which does limit them more than you would think. And the Cardinals have one of the best guys in the league to guard Michael Thomas and Patrick Peterson. Yeah, he's not as good as he used to be, but I think he's still a very good player. And I don't think yeah, he's he, he made some big plays against the Giants last week. That's for sure. I think, Is Drew Brees not play? I I think Drew Brees might be back this week. They're saying they're trying to hurry him back, but I don't think. That changes my pick much. I think it'd be stupid for him to come back, so I just assume they they're not going to bring him back. But yeah, you don't want to with a special year like this could be for the Saints. You don't want to risk uh, Drew Brees getting hurt against the Arizona Cardinals, even if you drop the game. Uh, what are they up in there? They're actually only up one game in the division, but if San Francisco takes takes care of business, that'll stay the same over the Panthers. So, yeah, there's no reason to bring Drew Brees back here. 
I like your pick of the Cardinals. I, I really, because I hate my pick of the Cardinals, but I just, I just have this feeling, and I don't know why, and I can't explain it. Well, also the the Saints get gets the quarterback a lot, and usually the way to beat teams like that is to have a mobile quarterback like Murray who could play off schedule. Yeah, because if they don't get him on the fir- on the first time, the Saints secondary might not be strong enough outside of Lattimore to stay with the re- the fast receivers that. Uh, the Cardinals have out there. So maybe Kyler receiver, Murray will cause some problems. Arizona's receivers, they don't have anyone who's a true number one, but they have four guys who could be number twos or threes on teams. Mm-hmm. No doubts there. Okay, Dave, who's your big underdog this week? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Broncos over the Colts. It they're playing they play the Thursday night game last week against the Chiefs, so they had extra time to prepare for this. I think that they, I think that they're done as a roster getting embarrassed. The Colts also are coming off a high. They just blew out the Texans. Jacoby Brissett played the best game of his career against a division rival, who he owns, by the way. He's, I think, 4-0 now against the Texans. He's thrown like 13 touchdowns and no interceptions, so... So he just owns that that team, which is good because they play them twice a year. But I think that they'll have a little bit of a come down. They might not take this game as seriously preparing. And the Broncos still have still have pieces to be a competitive team. They have pass rushers. They have a, a pretty good actually I guess Akeem Talib's out now for the season, but they still have some names out there in the secondary that can make plays. Chris Harris Jr. Yeah, they have Chris Harris Jr., who's been in the news lately. They have uh, Roby, so they still have they still have some names. Derek Wolf still a pretty good run stopper at defensive tackle. It really comes down to the offense, and I think that they'll be able to move the ball. With they have to give the ball to Philip Lindsay more and let him do his thing. That's the only way because they're not going to win with this downhill uh, Royce Freeman game that they have going, trying to split carries. Their their way to win is to have. Philip Lindsay kind of filled the Ray Rice role that Joe Flacco was so was so uh, successful with when he was early in his career with um, Baltimore, so, and also feed Cortland Sutton. The guy's talented. That's why he was a second round pick, and he's shown it in flashes this year. Now with Emmanuel Sanders gone, he should be the he should be the focal point of the offense. I think I think they're going to take this game because it's kind of a trap game for the Colts. It's not one that they have circled on their schedule. And I think Vic Faggio will have have them prepared with the extra three days to prepare for this game. Hello? Uh, 